Little Dombey, from Charles Dickens' children's stories, retold by his granddaughter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cadastra. Dickens' children's stories, retold by his granddaughter, Little Dombey. Little Dombey was the son of a rich city merchant, a cold, stern, and pompous man, whose life and interests were entirely absorbed in his own business. He was so desirous of having a son to associate with himself in the business, and make the house once more Dombey and Son, in fact, as it was in name, that the little boy, who was at last born to him, was eagerly welcomed. There was a pretty little girl six years old, but her father had taken little notice of her. Of what use was a girl to Dombey and Son? She could not go into the business." Little Dombey's mother died when he was born, but the event did not greatly disturb Mr. Dombey, and, since his son lived, what did it matter to him that his little daughter Florence was breaking her heart in loneliness for the mother who had loved and cherished her? During the first few months of his life, little Dombey grew and flourished, and as soon as he was old enough to take notice, there was no one he loved so well as his sister Florence. In due time the baby was taken to church, and baptized by the name of Paul his father's name. A grand and stately christening it was, followed by a grand and stately feast, and little Paul was declared by his godmother to be an angel, and the perfect picture of his own papa. But from that time Paul seemed to waste and pine. His healthy and thriving babyhood had received a check, and as for illnesses, there never was a blessed dear so put upon, his nurse said. By the time he was five years old, though he had the prettiest, sweetest little face in the world, there was always a patient, wistful look upon it, and he was thin and tiny and delicate. He soon got tired, and had such old-fashioned ways of speaking and doing things, that his nurse often shook her head sadly over him. When he sat in his little armchair with his father after dinner, they were a strange pair, so like and so unlike each other. "'What is money, Papa?' asked Paul on one of these occasions, crossing his tiny arms as well as he could, just as his father's were crossed." "'Why, gold, silver, and copper, you know what it is well enough, Paul,' answered his father. "'Oh, yes, I mean, what can money do?' "'Anything, everything, almost,' replied Mr. Dombey, taking one of his son's wee hands. Paul drew his hand gently away. "'It didn't save me my mamma, and it can't make me strong and big,' said he. "'Why, you are strong and big, as big as such little people usually are,' returned Mr. Dombey. "'No,' replied Paul, sighing. When Florence was as little as me, she was strong and tall, and did not get tired of playing as I do. I am so tired sometimes, Papa. Mr. Dombey's anxiety was aroused, and the doctor was sent for to examine Paul. The child is hardly so stout as we could wish, said the doctor. His mind is too big for his body. He thinks too much. Let him try sea air. Sea air does wonders for children. So it was arranged that Florence, Paul, and Nurse should go to Brighton, and stay in the house of a lady named Mrs. Pipchin, who kept a very select boarding-house for children. There is no doubt that, apart from his importance to the house of Dombey and Son, little Paul had crept into his father's heart, cold though it still was towards his daughter, colder than ever now, for there was in it a sort of unacknowledged jealousy of the warm love lavished on her by Paul, which he himself was unable to win. Mrs. Pipchin was a marvellously ugly old lady, with a hook nose and stern cold eyes, "'Well, Master Paul, how do you think you will like me?' said Mrs. Pipchin, seeing the child intently regarding her. "'I don't think I shall like you at all, 
replied Paul, shaking his head. I want to go away. I do not like your house. Paul did not like Mrs. Pipchin, but he would sit in his armchair and look at her. Her ugliness seemed to fascinate him. As the weeks went by, little Paul grew more healthy-looking, but he did not seem any stronger, and could not run about out of doors. A little carriage was therefore got for him, in which he could be wheeled down to the beach, where he would pass the greater part of the day. He took a great fancy to a queer, crab-faced old man, smelling of seaweed, who wheeled his carriage and held long conversations with him. But Florence was the only child companion whom he ever cared to have with him, though he liked to watch other children playing in the distance. "'I love you, Floy,' he said one day to her. Florence lay her head against the pillow and whispered how much stronger he was growing. "'Oh, yes, I know. I am a great deal better,' said Paul. "'A very great deal better. Listen, Floy, what is it the sea keeps saying?' "'Nothing, dear. It is only the rolling of the waves you hear.' "'Yes, but they are always saying something, and always the same thing. What place is over there, Floy?' She told him there was another country opposite, but Paul said he did not mean that. He meant somewhere much farther away, oh, much farther away, and often he would break off in the midst of their talk to listen to the sea and gaze out towards that country farther away. After having lived at Brighton for a year, Paul was certainly much stronger, though still thin and delicate, and on one of his weekly visits Mr. Dombey explained to Mrs. Pipchin, with pompous condescension, that Paul's weak health having kept him back in his studies, he had made arrangements to place him at the educational establishment of Dr. Blimber which was close by. Florence was, for the present, to remain under Mrs. Pipchin's care and see her brother every week. Dr. Blimber's school was a great hothouse for the forcing of boys' brains, and Dr. Blimber promised speedily to make a man of Paul. "'Shall you like to be made a man of, my son?' asked Mr. Dombey. "'I'd rather be a child and stay with Floy,' answered Paul. Miss Blimber, the doctor's daughter, a learned lady in spectacles, was his special tutor, and from morning till night his poor brains were forced and crammed till his head was heavy and always had a dull ache in it, and his small legs grew weak again. Every day he looked a little thinner and a little paler, and became more old-fashioned than ever in his looks and ways. Old-fashioned was a distinguishing title which clung to him. He was gentle and polite to every one, always looking out for small kindnesses which he might do to any inmate of the house. "'The oddest and most old-fashioned child in the world,' Dr. Blimber would say to his daughter, but bring him on, Cornelia, bring him on. And Cornelia did bring him on, and Florence, seeing how pale and weary the little fellow looked when he came to her on Saturdays, and how he could not rest from anxiety about his lessons, would lighten his labors a little, and ease his mind by helping him to prepare his week's work. But one day, when his lessons were over, little Paul laid his weary and aching head against the knee of a schoolfellow of whom he was very fond, and the first thing he noticed when he opened his eyes was that the window was open. His face and hair were wet with water, and that Dr. Blimber and the usher were both standing looking at him. "'Ah, that's well,' said Dr. Blimber, as Paul opened his eyes. "'And how is my little friend now?' "'Oh, quite well, thank you, sir,' answered Paul. But when he got up there seemed something the matter with the floor, and the walls were dancing about, and Dr. Blimber's head was twice its natural size. He was put to bed, and presently the doctor came and said he was not to do any more lessons for the present.' In a few days, Paul was able to get up and creep about the house. He wondered sometimes why everyone looked at it and spoke so very kindly to him, and was more than ever careful to do any little kindnesses he could think of for them. Even the rough, ugly dog Diogenes, who lived in the yard, came in for a share of his attentions. There was a party at Dr. Blimber's on the evening before the boys went home. Paul sat in a corner of the sofa all evening, and everyone was very kind to him indeed. 
It was quite extraordinary, Paul thought, and he was very happy. He liked to see how pretty Florence was, and how everyone admired and wished to dance with her. After resting for a night at Mrs. Pipchin's house, little Paul went home and was carried straight upstairs to his bed. He lay in his bed day after day, quite happily and patiently, content to watch and talk to Florence. He would tell her his dreams, and how he always saw the sunlit ripples of a river rolling, rolling fast in front of him. Sometimes he seemed to be rocking in a little boat on the water, and its motion lulled him to rest, and then he would be floating away, away to that shore farther off, which he could not see. One day he told Florence that the water was rippling brighter and faster than ever, and that he could not see anything else. "'My own boy, cannot you see your poor father?' asked Mr. Dombey, bending over him. "'Oh, yes, but don't be so sorry, dear Papa. I am so happy. Good-bye, dear Papa.' Presently he opened his eyes again and said, "'Floy, Mama is like you. I can see her.' "'Come close to me, Floy, and tell them,' whispered the dying boy, "'that the face of the picture of Christ on the staircase at school is not divine enough. The light from it is shining on me now, and the water is shining too, rippling so fast, so fast.' The evening light shone into the room, but little Paul's spirit had gone out on the rippling water, and the divine face was shining on him from the farther shore. End of Little Dombey Recording by Cadastra.